Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. We're in a new series called Where Your Treasure Is. And, um, and this series is, is all about generosity. And so we're going to have some illustrations over the next few weeks that we're going to show you what it means to be generous, what it looks like for us to live generously. Because this is a time of year we talk a lot about giving gifts and receiving gifts. Uh, but it's important for us to grow in our generosity. And not just with our finances, with every area of our life. And that's what our challenge is for you to be mature enough in your faith that you live generously with your life, not just with your finances, but with your time and with your talent, with your abilities, that you will give yourself to people. And so next weekend, we're going to do something fun. Um, if you've been around for a while, you might be able to guess what we're doing. But next weekend, I need you to do me a favor. When you come to church, bring cash with you next weekend, okay? So when you do, um, I, we're not gonna do anything weird, I promise. The church is not gonna benefit from that. But if you don't, you're gonna regret it. So next weekend, make sure you bring cash with you to service. And, uh, and I forgot to tell the nine o'clock service, so tell those people too. And uh, those of you in Blairsville, uh, bring some cash with you next weekend. It's gonna be good. So... Um, yeah, that's enough about next weekend. So this weekend, we're starting a series called Where Your Treasure Is. And, and I don't know about you, when I think about Christmas and I think about my historic Christmases, uh, the Christmases that I enjoyed most growing up, um, I, I think about the gifts I got a lot of times. Is anybody else with me? You think about the gifts that you received, some of the best gifts. I bet if I asked you what's the greatest gift you ever got for Christmas, many of you could pinpoint something. And it might be from your childhood. And I will tell you, um, when I was a young man, I remember uh, one Christmas specifically. Um, I wanted so badly to get the uh, the He-Man action figure playset, Castle Grayskull. Are there any old people that remember Castle Grayskull? Okay, yes, yes, I see that hand. Um, so here's the thing: I wanted it so bad, so bad. And I had the He-Man, but I just, I need He-Man's house. That's what I need. Like, my life would be complete if I could get this playset. So Christmas came, and uh, we are opening gifts, and it is Christmas carnage, right? There is, there is paper everywhere. Like, we have finished our day. And we have this Red Rider BB, hood, uh, BB, uh, BB gun moment where my, my dad said, I think there's one more back there. And behind the tree, there was a big box. And you know this, when you're, when you're a kid, the bigger the box, the better the gift is. It doesn't even matter. Like, you know it's gotta be important if it's in a big box. And there was this big box and I was like, oh my gosh, what could it be? And I tore it open and it was Castle Grayskull. I was so excited. My life was complete. And from that moment forward, everything has been downhill. It's just been such a disappointment. <laughs> After that, I don't know. I'm looking for meaning in my life now. Um, but it was exciting, right? I got this gift, and I could go back to some other gifts I got that I was, like, so excited about what I got. And here's what's interesting. It's hard for me to remember gifts in the last 10 years that I've been really excited about getting. And the reason is, thankfully, I've matured. Because now I'm less interested in the gifts I can get and I'm more excited about the gifts I can give. And let's be honest, um, it's not unreasonable to think that your four-year-old is not gonna be super excited about tube socks, right? Like they open it up and they're like, oh my gosh, wow, three weeks worth of socks, you're the best, dad. That's probably not what's gonna happen. They're probably gonna be like, I went to Castle Grayskull. You're like, sorry, now it costs $5,000 on the secondary market, we can't afford that, right? Again, if, you didn't get the toy, you got socks, right? They'd be disappointed. We would get that. But imagine you're sitting at Christmas with your grandma and she opens the gift and she's like, hey, I didn't want this, I wanted. You'd be like, wow, what's with the attitude, right? Come on, I expected more of you than that. What are you saying? You'd be saying, I expected you to be more mature. But here's what happens in our lives. Many of us, we live our lives in a consumer kind of way where we consume and consume and consume and consume. 
And it's all about what we get. And it's not about what we contribute or what we give or how we help or how we bless. And God has a pattern for us that we should mature and grow in our lives. That it's not just about what we get, but it's about what we contribute. It's about what we give. This is one of the things that frustrates me too about people who, who, who just stop coming to church. We're like, oh, I can watch online. Well, it's like, great, you can consume watching online and no condemnation for you watching online. I love you. But you can consume watching online, but you can't contribute. Oh, you can give online. And maybe you can, you can help, you know, be a prayer team on a service, but it is different. You can't contribute the way you can when you're in a room with people, shoulder to shoulder, worshiping God. You can't contribute the same way if you can't go to growth track in person, if you can't serve, if you can't be together. It's just different. And so God is calling us to move from a place of consuming to contributing, to grow in our faith, to be mature enough to understand that if we all want gifts, somebody's got to be mature enough to give the gifts, right? See, we all want to consume church, but somebody's got to be mature enough to give, to give financially, to give their time, to give their talents and their abilities. That's what we're really talking about. That, that we're, it's so much more than money. That God wants our hearts. He wants all of us. See, some of you, some of you think, oh, God wants money. That's a tall order. I got bad news for you. He wants way more than your money. <laughs> if you think God is stopping with your money, you're going to be so disappointed because he wants all of you. He wants your whole heart and your whole life. So I want to start in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, this is Sermon on the Mount. This is the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. Jesus is preaching this. It's in Matthew chapter six. And this is a portion of it. This is what he says. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And that's the title of our series, Where Your Treasure Is. This is where we get it from. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The, the desires of your heart will be also. We'll come to that in just a second. It's interesting because he says here, Jesus says to his followers, don't store up treasure here on earth. Why does he say that? He says, because the treasure here on earth is temporary. You can lose it. It will decrease in value, right? If you don't believe me, you're not paying attention to inflation. <laughs> your dollar is worth less today than it was a year ago, right? Because our wealth is disappearing. And that is the nature of the wealth in our world, in our lives. The money you have, you will spend it on something. You will lose it. Somebody will steal it. Something will happen to it. It's the nature of wealth of this world. And, and so Jesus says, don't get hung up on the wealth of this world. Focus on what is eternal. Focus on what cannot be lost, what cannot be stolen. And that's the things that are eternal. Now, there's a story I read recently, and you might have heard stories similar to this. There's a story about a man named James Howells, and this is, um, this is over in England. Uh, James Howells was kind of on the forefront of uh, the cryptocurrency uh, wave. When Bitcoin began, he was one of the early guys. He decided, hey, well, I want to start mining Bitcoin just to see, just because it was fun for him. He wanted to see what it was about. So he started mining Bitcoin on his home computer. He had a computer that was powerful enough to do it, and he started mining Bitcoin. And he stored all the data on, his, on an external hard drive. Now, if you're not familiar with this, you have to, uh, with cryptocurrency, you have to have a specific password. You have to have a key. Uh, it's all this stuff. It's not like you just have a pile of Bitcoin. Um, you have to have a, a, a cryptographic private key in order to access your, your, uh, your crypto. So, he had it all stored on this external hard drive. And one day he decides he's gonna clean out his office. And he takes a hard drive that he is positive is empty and he throws it away. And a couple weeks later, he realizes he threw away the wrong hard drive. <laughs> James Howells had about 7,500 Bitcoin that he had mined up to that point. And that might not sound like much because you're like 7,500, what does that mean? By today's standard, if you were trading Bitcoin today, it's about $16,000 per Bitcoin. And if you're bad at math, it's about $130 million that he threw away, literally on this hard drive that he can never recover. He has petitioned the local sanitation company, begged them and pleaded with them to let him go to the dump and search and try to dig it up. And they've refused against policy. There's environmental concerns, all kinds of stuff. So basically, that money is gone. He had $130 million, and it 
vanished like a vapor. See, the wealth of our world will disappear. We will lose it. We will spend it. We will squander it. Things will happen to the the money we have, the possessions we have. But what Jesus says is, stop focusing on the things that we can have in our hands and start focusing on the things that are eternal. Focus less on the things that are temporary and focus more on the things that are eternal. And and really, this this is what the series is about. It's helping us refocus on the things that really count and really matter in our world. And, and by the way, I want you to know this. This series was planned like a year ago before the economic turmoil in our world really got going. And so this is not a response to like, the board wasn't like, man, finances are bad. We need to preach on money. Like that's not what happened. I promise our finances are doing just fine. And so this is not a response to say, we need your money. This is a response to say, God wants your heart. God wants you. So, so what do we need to do to shift who we are and what we're doing? One of the things that we see here is interesting in verse 21, it says, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What, what he's saying is, um, my heart will follow my treasure. The things that I invest in financially, my heart will follow. The things I invest my time in, my heart will follow. I, I will begin to grow an affection for the things that I have invested in. I will grow an affection for the things that I'm spending my time on. I've told you before, there were things that, um, that I've invested in personally, just my time, that I grew an affection for. Um, we've got some IUP students in the room, and we've got a few athletes, and I love our students. I'm grateful for you guys. Over the years, we've had a number of athletes that have attended. Like when we first came, um, like I think literally the entire IUP softball team was part of our church. So I would go to IUP softball games. And I got to be perfectly honest with you. If I was just picking a way to spend some time, it would not be to go watch a women's college softball game. I'm sorry if that's offensive to you, by the way. But that's not like, I'm like, you know, I think I'll go. But there were women from the team that invested in our church and I loved them and wanted to invest in them. So I went and you know what happened? I started caring about the team because I cared about them and I was giving my time to it. My heart was following my time. My investment was made and now my heart, my affection was following. You've seen the same thing. You make a a financial investment in something, you wanna see it do well. You wanna see it grow and develop and flourish. And this is what Jesus is saying, your heart will follow your treasure. One of the things I'll ask you now and I'll ask you throughout the series is what is it you treasure? What is it that you're investing in? What is it you're giving your time to, your finances to, your talent to? Because that, that's where your heart will follow. That's where your affections will follow you. It says in verse 22 of Matthew 6, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep That darkness is. Man, there's a lot to cover in this verse. Um, He says your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Basically what Jesus is saying is, is um, if the things I look at are healthy, it will produce health in me. If the things I look at are unhealthy, it will produce unhealthiness in me. But the things we look at matter. The things we fix our eyes on make a difference to our hearts and lives. So uh, how many of you remember, if you're, if you're not a certain age, you will not remember this, but how many of you guys remember Christmas catalogs? Oh yeah, all the old people. I, I got my hand raised too. All of our college students are like, I no clue what that is. It's like, all right. So, so this week, I'm never on, I rarely ever get on Facebook. If you've messaged me on Facebook and I haven't responded, it's not because I hate you, it's because I don't get on Facebook, I just don't like Facebook. Uh, but I will get on Facebook this week and I'm gonna post a link to a website I found. Uh, this last week I found this website and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. It's got years and years, like 70 years worth of catalogs from all these different manu- you know, companies and retailers that you can go back and look at, click on a catalog and look at. They've got every page scanned in. Somebody scanned in 700 pages from the 1983 JCPenney Christmas catalog, right? 
what in the world? And so I would click on some of these and look at them, and it was like this stroll down amnesia lane, right? Like I had forgotten about all this stuff. And it was so fun to look at because when I was a kid, I couldn't wait for the Christmas catalogs to come. We didn't have the interwebs when I was eight years old, by the way, right? So the only way I could look at other stuff is when the Christmas catalogs would come. And I would study them, and typically we would get four. I don't know if you were like our house, we would get the J.C. Penney catalog. We would get Montgomery Ward. We would get Sears. And we would get a, another one that maybe you didn't have around here called Service Merchandise. These were the big four that would come to our house. And I would take these catalogs and I would study them in depth. Um, I would lay on the floor in the living room with all the catalogs spread out. And I would lay on my stomach and little Mel Massengill would open the catalog and I would circle what I liked. I would star what I loved and I would go through and I would inventory these things. I would look at them hour after hour after hour. And my affection followed. Oh, I want this stuff. Oh, I need this in my life. If I could just get the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier, my life would be complete. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I studied this stuff. But what was happening? My eyes were fixed on it. I was looking at it. And my heart followed my eyes. See, our heart follows our treasure, but what we see is my heart will follow my eyes as well. The things I look at long enough, I will start to develop an affection for those things. That's why we have to be so careful about what we look at and what we let our eyes rest on, both physically and metaphorically, spiritually as well. This is why it's so dangerous when people will say to me, well, Mel, I don't know why my spouse is so upset all I did was look up the profile of my old flame from high school. It doesn't do any harm to look. Yes, it does. And the harm is what we look at, our affections follow. So we have to be so careful about what we look at. And Jesus is saying, hey, you gotta be careful what you're looking at because what you're looking at will corrupt your heart or, or develop health and vibrancy and life in your heart. So it's really about what are you fixing your eyes on? What are you gazing after? Because that's what our, our heart is attracted to. That's what our heart follows. That's what we give our affections to. See, what you continually look at will ultimately dominate your heart. If you look at something long enough, it will own you. So we have to be careful. What am I looking at? What am I allowing in my heart, in my mind? And really what we see is that, that your treasure is a test. It's a test for you. It's a test that God wants to reveal something to you about who you are and what you love and where your affections lie. And really what we're talking about is how do we order our affections well? How do we love the right things the right way? Because the truth is what you treasure reveals your affections. If, if you let me look at your calendar, and your spending, I could get a real good idea about the things you love. I, I, could, I could narrow it down pretty easily because it identifies it. It'll tell you. It doesn't matter what you say. What matters is what you do. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your finances? That'll tell us a lot about the things you care about. Verse 24, continuing on in Matthew, Matthew 6, Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. This is actually something Jesus says again in, in uh, Luke chapter 16. And we're gonna talk about that a little next weekend, but um, Jesus says this exact same thing in Luke 16. And he says, you cannot serve two masters. And now here's the thing. I know a lot of people are like, no, 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 no. I don't have a problem with money. I'm poor. Right? I don't have any money in my bank account. How can I have a problem with money? And let's be honest, sometimes people that don't have money are the people who have the biggest problem with money because it becomes an idol for us. It becomes, becomes the, the instant fix, the answer to everything. And I don't know how many times I've sat with somebody and they've been having financial problems and we'll talk and they'll say something like, if I only had 10,000 more dollars, everything would be fine. If I just had a little more, then I'd be okay. And, and what Jesus says here is so important because he says, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And most of us say, I'm not enslaved to money, but I think many of us don't recognize it. 
Because the word he uses here for money in the Greek, it is a word, it's mamonas. And it means literally mammon. And there are some teachers who will say that mammon is um, a god of money. Uh, and there's not a ton of historical evidence to support the fact that, that mammon was an actual god. But this is what we can definitely agree on. Mammon is the spirit of just a little more. If, if I just had a little more, then I'd be okay. Well, how much do you need? Just a little more. I, I just need a little more money. I just need a little more time. I just need a little more, and then I'll have enough. But here's the problem with that. The spirit of mammon says, if you just get a little more, you'll be okay. And then you get a little more, and you go, no, nah, I still need a little more. No, 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 just a little more. And Jesus says, Jesus says here, you can't serve God in the spirit of just a little more. And what he's trying to do is, is combat covetousness in his disciples, where they're looking at other people and other things and going, I wish I had what they had. And he's saying, no, no, no. How about if you're content in God? How about if we just trust him, that he is enough for us? He goes on to say in verse 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't they far more valuable to him than they are? Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? <laughs> when we read this, we go, well, isn't this, these are some reasonable things to worry about, right? Now, most of us don't worry about what we're going to eat. But the truth is, in Indiana County, we wouldn't have to go very far to find people who do. And maybe you do. And if you do, if, if you're battling food insecurity, let us know. There is no shame. We want to help you. But most of us don't deal with that. I've got a refrigerator full of food. I'm blessed. I'm thankful. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, you people who've been dropping off casseroles like crazy. Ridiculous amounts of food in my house right now. So if you don't have food, come to my house after church today. Most of us don't deal with this. And, and drink, we don't even think about that because we have a tap, right? We can turn on the water. We can get drink whenever we want. In Jesus' day, they didn't have a tap. They had to work to go get their water. And so some of them struggled to figure out, how am I going to quench this thirst I've got? What a where? Jesus says, you don't need to worry about these things. Don't worry about them. And you go, well, how do we not worry about them in the world that we live in today, in the economy, in the way it is? How do we not worry about it? And Jesus asks the question, he says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And what he's saying is, does, does worry benefit your life at all? I don't know about you. I have never, ever, I've never, ever spent some time worrying about something. And then at the end of it, I was like, I feel fantastic. I'm so glad I did that. That was the best four hours I ever spent was worrying about that problem. I'm glad I did that now. I've never missed a night of sleep laying in bed worrying. And the next day I was like, man, I am so glad I didn't sleep so I could spend time worrying about that problem. I don't know about you. I don't like worrying. I don't enjoy it. It is not helpful. But we do it. And I'll take it a step further. We choose to do it. Because worry and prayer are closely related. And I believe that worry is actually the evil inverse of prayer. See, worry and prayer are related because, think about worry. I'm thinking about my problems. I'm contemplating them. I'm meditating them. I'm reliving it over and over. I'm going through it. But the problem is it terminates with me. It stops with me. I'm trying to figure out how to fix my problems. And what Jesus wants us to do is trust him. We're going to see this again in just a minute. He wants us to trust him. So how do we do that? Well, we begin to pray. So we take the same thoughts, we take the same time, and we begin to redirect it to God and go, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this, but you do. So God, I choose to trust you. I know how I feel. You know how I feel. But right now, God, I'm going to choose to trust you anyway. I don't know how this is going to work out, but God, I don't have to because I know you do. See, what happens when we do this is we put it in God's hands because prayer puts our problems in God's hands. Worry puts our problems in our hands. 
This is why Jesus said, don't worry about this stuff. Trust God. Put him first. Trust him and it'll be okay. See, prayer builds up. Worry tears down. Prayer gives me freedom from fear. But that worry makes me a slave to it. You know people. They can't get out of their own way. They worry about everything constantly. And and the thing about worry is this. It requires the same energy and input as prayer, but it gets a dramatically different result. We are healthier for it. God is glorified through it. If we'll just simply stop worrying and say, God, I'm going to pray about this instead of worrying about it. He goes on to say in verse 28, and why worry about your clothing? Clearly, I do not. It's not a problem for me. Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. And then he asks this question that I love. Why do you have so little faith? And really the question he's asking his followers, and I think the question he's asking us is, why do you trust me so little? Why do you trust yourself so much and trust me so little? And I think God is asking us, Jesus is asking us, do you, do you not know who I am? Do you not recognize who I am? Because if you really knew, you wouldn't worry. If you really knew, you could trust me. And this is what God is trying to accomplish. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to see that life is so much bigger than our possessions. And that what he's talking about is not about our finances, it's not about our possessions, it's about trust. It's about putting God first in our lives. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, do I actually trust God? Not just do I trust him enough to maybe go to heaven, but do I trust him enough to, to let him be first in my life, that I'm, I'm gonna make him the priority in my life. And the reality is most of us don't live our lives that way. Most of us do not trust God. So we live our lives by a certain standard. This represents our life. The life we live, the life we have, these represent things associated with our life. Now this, this is the stuff I would say are, are wants. These are things like, um, these are the impulse buyer's dream right here, right? This is, the, this is the, the craving, the desire. I want that, so I'm gonna get that. This is um, your Starbucks, right? You can get better coffee for less, I promise, than Starbucks, okay? $5 for a cup of coffee, but you gotta have it. Every morning, I need my Starbucks, Right? Um, for, I'll be equal opportunity. Maybe this is your lar- extra large unsweet tea from Sheets that you have to get every day. Guilty. <laughs> I get that. It's cheaper than coffee, so I can justify it. But I need it. I got to have some tea, even though I can make it at home, right? I got to have some tea. This is um, almost every time you go to fast food, right? <laughs> like, do you need it? No, but you want it. It's convenient. It's easy. This is your eating out budget. Do you need to eat out? Probably not, but you want to because it's quick. It's fast. It's all that stuff. This is your cigarettes. Uh, and I'm not condemning those of you that smoke. Uh, I'm just saying this is a want. It's not a need. Um, this is your lotto tickets. And again, I'm not condemning those of you that play the lotto. But here's the thing. If you can justify it by saying, oh, I can afford to play it, it's okay, then you should be smart enough to know you shouldn't be playing it. You're not gonna win the lotto. Do you know how they get all that money? From those of you that play and never win. So stop playing the lotto, okay? And those of you that can't afford to play it, stop playing the lotto. Invest that money in a, in a, there's all kinds of accounts you could start investing small amounts in and you're gonna get a better return than the money you have flush down the toilet on your lotto tickets. That's enough about the lotto. I will say this though about the lotto. If you happen to win, I would be delighted to receive your tithe check. So, (laughs) just throwing that out there. Let's be honest. (laughs) 
So here's the thing. We have our wants. We have our cravings. We have our desires, all the things. And let me take this a step further. Um, there might even be some things that would be needs that aren't really needs that would become wants. Because we need a house, but, but do we need that house? We need a car, but do we need that car? And so what happens is our life is full of wants. Our life is full of things that we go, I think I need this, but the reality is we don't need it. We just want it. And so we begin to fill our lives up with all these wants. Perfect. Because look at that. We still got some room. We still got space. So I'm going to begin to fill the rest of this space up with my needs. I've, I've got needs. I've got, I got a house, right? I got a mortgage to pay. Uh, maybe you don't have a mortgage. Maybe you got rent, so you got, you got to pay your landlord. You, if you got a house, then you probably have to pay your utilities. You got electric and gas. Um, you've got sanitation. Um, we've got the really important utilities like internet. You got to have internet uh, and cable. Come on, I got to know what's going on with my, uh, with my reality TV. Real Housewife Shalakta, what's going on with that? We don't know. I want to know. What's going to happen, right? We got our car, and we can't have just any car. We got to have the right car, so we get the car. And if you get a car, you're going to have to pay gas. And if you're paying gas, you got to pay uh, your insurance. You've got your uh, expenses because you, your car's going to break down. I don't know. Does anybody know your car breaks down from time to time? You got to fix your car. So there's all this stuff. But it's not just that. You also have family. So you got kids. You got relationships. You, you, well, kids, they're expensive. So kids need uniforms. Kids need um, sports. There's the things that kids need. It's the stuff like, um, I know my daughters never do this ever, but um, maybe your kids do. It's like 1030 on a Sunday night and they come in your room and they're like, oh yeah, I need a check for $75 tomorrow. It has to be tomorrow. And you're like, well, how long have you known about this? Six weeks, but I need it tomorrow. I forgot to tell you. And you're like, oh. So this kind of stuff goes in the pot. And we go, okay, I, I think we're good. We got what we need, right? I didn't even mention, let's throw in, let's throw in some taxes. It's a whole nother sermon. We go, okay, I've got what I want and I've got what I need. My life is good. Woo, filled it all up. And then, you hear a sermon like this one. And you hear a pastor talk to you about putting God first in your life. And you go, oh, okay, well, I'd like to, but I don't know if I can afford that. Because my life is pretty full. You go, well, maybe I can if I, I'm, maybe. I mean, okay. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna put God first, but I don't know if I can add anything else. Well, what about being generous toward ministry partners and missionaries that come in? We have a missionary that comes in and they share their heart, they share what they're doing and you feel God kind of laying on your heart and you're like, man, that sounds good. Oh, I would love to do that. I wish I could. Mm. Okay, I, th I think, yeah, perfect. Okay, perfect, I got it. You find out your neighbor, their house, Burns the ground. Oh, I would love to help with that. I just, I don't, I don't, maybe, maybe. Hold on. Okay, there, I can do it. Well, what about, what about helping start a church in Johnstown? Well, I don't have margin for that. I can't do that. Well, what about being a blessing to the people you come into contact with, being an ex exorbitant tipper? Well, I can't afford that. See, there's all these things that happen in our lives, and we go, well, I would love to, but I can't afford to. And if we're gonna be honest, this stuff isn't even really in the container. So there's all these things that we go, well, I would love to be generous. I would love to help. I would love to bless. I would love, but I can't. Why? because we've disordered our affections. We've put the wrong thing first. And this is the way most of us live our lives. We don't trust God. We wanna take care of ourselves, so we do. And we put God last. And then we wonder why we can't move ahead, why we can't see any progress. So what happens is, the big stuff that matters, this is the stuff that's eternal. 
This is stuff that has weight and consequence long term. This stuff doesn't. Starbucks doesn't. But this stuff does. But this is the stuff we put in our lives first. Jesus goes on to say in verse 31, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Another translation of this last verse says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Here's what he says. This way of living is normal in the world we live in. It's normal for unbelievers. This is the way people live with no margin in their lives at all. They, they do what they want, they figure out their needs, and then there's nothing left. And what Jesus is telling his followers is there's a better way of living than that. There's a way of living where we can put God first, where we can say, God, I'm gonna honor you first in my life. And as I do, you are gonna be glorified. So what we do is we flip the script and we say, okay, God, um, I'm gonna put you first. I'm gonna honor you first in my life. I'm gonna say you are the most important thing in my life, not just in my finances, but across the board. You have captured my heart. So God, you are gonna be what I stare at. You are gonna be what my, I fix my eyes on. So God, you are first. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give to the church. I'm gonna be generous with the church. I'm gonna be generous with my neighbors. When my neighbor has need, I'm gonna bless them. I'm not gonna wait and see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna love first, and I'm, that's how I'm gonna respond. Um, hey, when there's a missionary that comes through, I'm gonna bless them. I'm gonna help them reach lost people. When, when I'm at the restaurant after church, uh, I'm gonna bless the crud out of my waitress. That's the Greek, it's, it's the way it says it. Bless the crud out of your waitress. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things that are eternal, making an eternal difference in somebody else's lives. So I'm going to put God first in those ways. Now, the reality is when we put God first, we still have bills, right? You still, you still have your mortgage payment. You still have your kids that are, well, let me put a couple more in for kids because they're expensive. Um, we still have um, car. You still have, let me put a few in here for utilities, all this kind of stuff. We still have all the things. Let me just... Go ahead. What else? We, we've got life, right? Taxes, it all comes in. We've got the stuff, the needs that do not go away. It continues. And we say, God, I'm gonna put you first. I'm gonna take care of my needs. And then everything else is gonna be filtered on top of that. So God, I'm gonna order my affections correctly. I'm gonna put you first. I'm gonna take care of my needs and my responsibilities. And then God, I'm gonna trust you. And what happens is, as we trust God, as we put him first, as we honor him as first in our life, not just with our life, but with our finances as well, he begins to fill up our lives. He begins to make space. And all of a sudden, before you know it, our life makes sense. It all fits. It's not a magic trick, don't worry. And this is what God wants us to do. God says, this is the way we should live. This is the way the world lives. Did you notice this? It's all segmented. It's all divided up. And this is the way most people treat their faith. They go, well, I'm a Christian. And the evidence is I go once in a while to church. See, that's, that's me first. Jesus is squeezed in here somewhere. See, I'm a Christian if I've got time. I give if I've got some extra but that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about fit me in your schedule. He's saying, make me a priority, put me first. In fact, this is what was so important in the book of Exodus when the 10 commandments were given in, in Exodus chapter three, verse 20. Let me go back to that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 20 verse three. It says, you must have no other gods before me. No other gods. It's not because God is jealous. It's because God knows he needs our heart to be first, uh, put him first because there is no other God. And he says, when you put me first, I can bless you. This is the ordered way to live your life. Put God first and everything else filters in correctly. When we don't put God first, everything else is disordered. This is the way he invites us to live. 
but it requires trust. It requires us saying, God, I trust who you are. See, it's not just our finances, it's a picture of our lives. Do I trust God? Do I trust him enough to put him first instead of me first? Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says this. Jesus is questioned about what is the greatest commandment. And Jesus said this, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. This is what Jesus says. He says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your finances. He didn't say that, but that's what he's saying. With everything you are, put God first and love, love your neighbors yourself. And this is the way we do that. It's by saying, God, I'm putting you first in my heart, in my life, in my finances. I'm trusting you because when we do that, our affections are ordered correctly and then he can do what he wants to do in our life. There's margin to bless and help and serve. That's what he wants to do. So um, back in the month of August, we did a series called, um, called We Are Family. And in the series, we talked about, and it was the weekend of the uh, August 13th and 14th, we talked about radical generosity. And we issued a challenge to our church. And some of you have taken us up on the challenge. It was the 90-day tithe challenge. And we just asked people to put God first in your finances for 90 days. And at the end of that 90 days, if God didn't bless you, um, if you weren't satisfied with the results, we would give you your money back from that 90 days of tithing. And, uh, and we had about two dozen families that took us up on the offer. And, uh, and one of the families that, that took advantage of this offer um, was uh, a family that I want to introduce you to today. Um, the McGuire's are an awesome couple. They've been coming to our church a couple years now. And I want to share their story with you right now. We're the McGuire's and we have always tithed um, our income that came in either through my paycheck, my husband's pension, and during the 90 day challenge, we decided to try something a little bit different. And um, we started to tithe um, the money and the first fruits from our business. When, when I first started the business right after retirement, um, you know, I gave gave the church some of it, but never the first fruits, and I never really thought about it because I was buying equipment and getting the business started and and just, you know, working and, and never even, you know, okay, here's some extra and, and give it to the church. And, and, you know, eventually it started to bother me, and I thought, you know, it's simple, you know, first fruits, the you know, the gross, the, the, the beginning, and the business took off. And it's not just that it took off, it, it, it was right. And, you know, we always tied our money and, and why not the business? And that's, that's, that's what was a blessing to do that and to do it joyfully. I think I have less fear about that than fear about growing so fast because I might need employees. But you know what, God takes care of that. Like I, I keep saying, Lynn, did the accountant call what did we make this month? I really, like, I want to know because I want to write the check. I, you know, that's not goofy. That's real. In the beginning, when I, we were going to take that first step, it was, it was difficult. When people said, you know, give God your first 10%, it was kind of like, that's my money. But then you realize that you're holding on to it and, you know, it's God's money, so you give it to God so that God can do what he needs to do with that money. Once we started to do it and realized that great things were happening in our yeah. lives because we were putting God first in our life. Um, on everything. And everything. That um, things started to change for, for us. If anyone wants to do that challenge, it's, it's, it's real. Try something different. Step out of your comfort zone. Give them the first fruits and watch, just watch it grow. Watch it grow. One of the things that McGuire said there was it wasn't just about the first of their finances. It was the first in everything. I referenced that earlier. This is what this is about. This is not just about your finances at all. It's about your time. It's about your talent. It's about your whole life. It's about us maturing to the point where we say, God, you are first in every area of my life. And I'm not going to make you second. I'm not going to allow you to be second in my heart and my life. As I was thinking about uh, this illustration and, and what we're talking about today, I, I thought about this passage. This is in 
Matthew chapter seven. This is the same sermon, um, just a little further down. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24, Jesus says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And he said, the people who hear my teaching and don't just listen to it, but do it, are people who build their house. They're wise. They build their house on solid rock. And the people who hear what I have to say and don't live it out, are, are, they're foolish. And they're like the person who builds a house on the sand. And I thought, what a great illustration for us today. That literally, people who live their lives this way are living their lives based on how they feel and what they want. And that is shifting sand. The people who put God first are literally putting their, their, their foundation of their life in God. They're saying, God, everything I have, everything I am is yours. And that is a firm foundation we can stand on. Maybe you're dealing with issues today and you're like, no, I didn't need a finance sermon today. Well, this isn't really a finance sermon. This is a trust sermon. This is a, a, a question about who do you trust? Do you trust yourself or do you trust God? What do you treasure? Do you know what God treasures? God treasures people. He, he loves people. He loves you. And he's after you. And sometimes the way to get through you has to go through your finances, has to go through your wallet. Because our hearts are so tied to what our possessions are. And so my challenge to you today is really simple. Will you trust God? Will you put him first in your life? and just see what he will do when you do that? Will you build your house on a firm foundation? Because then when the storms come, you know, hey, I don't know what else is gonna happen, but I know God is, he's true. He's first in my life, I can trust him. I'm gonna turn it over to Pastor Colin there in Blairsville. He's gonna close out our time, give you a chance to respond. I love you guys more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. So today it's really simple. Will you trust God? Will you allow him to be first? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from that? Is it fear? Is it worry? What will people think? What will happen if, if I don't do this and this and this? I promise God will take care of you if you trust him, if you put him first. So would you trust him? Let's pray together. God, I'm grateful that you love us like you do. <laughs> I don't know why you do. Oh, because we are flawed and we are messed up. We are broken. We are wicked. But God, that's not how you see us. You see your sons and daughters. And because of what Christ has done, you, you see the righteousness of God when you see us because he's covered our sins. So God, thank you for that. God, if that's all you did for us, that would be enough. And I would say, thank you. You deserve my highest praise. You deserve my highest honor. You deserve everything in my life. You deserve just for that to be first. So God, I'm sorry for the times that I've been selfish, that I put myself first, that, that I pay more attention to my kingdom than your kingdom. So God, I pray that you'd forgive me, forgive us, and help us to live lives that we put your glory on display. God, help us to trust you. Lord, not just with our salvation so that we can go to heaven someday, but God, help us to trust you with our whole lives. I pray that every person in this place, God, we would take a step towards you and we begin to trust you deeper than we have before. So God, I pray that in some tangible ways, we would say yes to you, that we would put you first. So God, I pray that we would set aside our wants and our desires and our cravings and our feelings and all those things. And I pray that we would build our lives on you, the firm foundation of Christ. So God, I pray that you'd help us trust you and help us to put you first today. Now with nobody looking around, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you'd tell me today, Mel, I'm not really serving God. Christ isn't first in my life, but I want him to be. I wanna surrender my life today to him. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna pray for you. 
So if you wanna be included in that prayer, if you're saying to me, Mel, today I wanna, I wanna put God first in my life. I wanna surrender my life to Christ today. I'm not gonna embarrass you today. I just wanna pray for you. So if you wanna be included in that prayer, would you put your hand up real high where I can see it? You can put it right back down. If you'd say, Mel, include me in that prayer, that's me. Yeah, thank you on my left, I see you. Praise the Lord. Yeah, a couple of hands on my left, another on my right. Thank you, sir, I see you in the back. Thank you, ma'am, I see you. Yeah, a couple of hands here on my right. Praise the Lord. Yeah, up in the balcony, I see you up there. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Romans chapter 10 tells us, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So we're gonna confess with our mouths today. We're gonna make a public proclamation today of who Jesus is. And we're gonna believe in our heart that, that Jesus is who he says he is. So I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud, but I want, you to, I want you to mean it from your heart. I want every person in this place to pray this with me. So say this out loud. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. And thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, my life is surrendered to you. Use me for your glory. I choose to put you first from this moment forward. I turn away from my old life. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Listen, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. Uh, for those of you that, that prayed that prayer today, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life, whether it's the first time you've ever prayed that or maybe you prayed a prayer of rededication today. You're trying to get back on track. We wanna help you take the next step in your faith journey. And I mean this sincerely. Um, we want to help you get healthy in your faith. And uh, the best thing for you to do would be to either text Summit PA to 94,000. Um, from your mobile device, just text us. Let us know. We're gonna respond back to you and we'll help you take the next step. Or you can fill out the card and see back in front of you. Take it to the info center when we're done here in just a minute. Give it to them and they're gonna give you a Bible and they're gonna point you in the right direction. Somebody from our team is gonna reach out to you in the next few days. Now, here's why this is so important. Uh, um, the first of the year is coming and there's some people that are gonna make some some proclamations about their health. I'm getting healthy this year, but you're gonna go to the gym a couple times and then you're gonna stop going because you're gonna get discouraged. But some of you are gonna get a trainer and the trainer is gonna help you figure out what to eat, figure out what to do to get healthier. And this is what we wanna do. We want our team to come alongside you to figure out what you need to do, what you need to consume, what you need to do in order to begin to grow in your faith. So if you're serious about the decision you just made, please fill the card out. Let us know about your decision so we can help you get healthy. Uh, here's what's gonna happen right now. Pastor Todd's gonna lead us in a final song. We're gonna sing together. While we're singing this final song, some of our prayer team, some of our staff are gonna be here at the front of this room and they'd love to pray for you. So if you've got a need of any kind while we're singing this song, step out from your seat, find one of our team members at the front of this room and let them pray for you. Maybe you need a healing today in your body. We'd be honored to pray with you about that. Maybe you're here today, you, you would like to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We'd love to pray with you about that as well. So whatever your need is, we don't care. We'd love to pray with you. So stand to your feet. Let's worship one more time before we go today, guys. Oh, you hear me say it often. I hope you know, I actually mean it. I love you guys more than you know, and I am so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a great week, and don't forget, bring some cash next weekend to church with you. God bless you.